we're going to look at John chapter 10 and verse 10. And uh, one of the things that I realized right away, there's two key words there, abundant and thief. Ain't nobody like a thief, right? I don't like thieves. I mean, I know we're supposed to love everybody, right? Doesn't mean we have to like everybody. (laughs) If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. I love him, but sometimes I just don't like him, or most of the time. Fact is, a thief is somebody that takes that which is not theirs. Pretty profound, right? Satan has been a a thief from the beginning of time, and that's not changed. All the way at the beginning, right there in heaven, in the presence of God himself, he had a plan in Isaiah chapter 14 to steal the throne. But the plan failed. He said, I'll ascend into heaven. He said, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. Even in verse 14, he said, I will ascend above the highest of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. But his attempt to steal the throne of God failed. You know it well. But it didn't end there, right? He said, I'm not going to stop. So now we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 3 where he approaches Eve. And he's trying again to steal. And he was very successful. He never ceases to take that which is not his. Even from the beginning of time in Genesis 3 verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof... Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing what? Good and evil. Kind of true, but it's a partial truth. The reality is you will know good and evil, but you're not going to be like God. You're not going to have his ability. So she swallowed the pill, and she made the decision, and so did Adam. The removal of Adam and Eve would be given Satan the leverage to step in and steal that which belongs to us. What is that? The utopia of heaven on earth. Man, I'd have a fro right now if it wasn't for Adam and Eve. (laughs) I'd have some beautiful hair, you know. Thank you, Satan. Thank you, Eve. All right? Through the deception and the lies of Satan, the theft begun. He is the thief in John 10.10. He is the one that came to steal and kill and destroy. And according to Romans 5, 12, that's what he did at the beginning of time. Because wherefore, as by one man's sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. We're not going to live forever. It's over, folks. That ability has been taken from us. It is Satan that has robbed mankind of life. The life that we were meant to have, the abundant life. Not just living, but thriving. You see where I'm going here? Thriving. So look with me at our main text in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they may have life and that they might have it more. Abundantly. <laughs> that wasn't set up, honestly. Very good, Mark. He's going with us thrive. We have to have somebody energetic there. Abundantly. Can you say it with me? What's the word? Abundantly. Great. You're doing better than first service. They struggle a little bit on that one. You know, the Greek word for thief is kleptos. It's actually translated klepto, where we get the word kleptomaniac. Kleptomaniac. Those that can't control themselves. They just got to steal. They got to take that which is not belonging to them and take it for themselves, even if it doesn't benefit them. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah, always got to steal. I got another voice out there. Fact of the matter is, I I experienced that when we were kids in Alabama. We had a microwave. Everybody has a microwave, but this was a junk microwave. Horrible. 
If mom's watching, ma, come on. We, didn't, we should have got rid of that microwave a long time ago. It was one of the old microwaves you turned the dial, right? <laughs> Made no sense that we had that microwave. We just held on to that microwave. Dad said, I think that microwave leaks radiation. <laughs> well, hey, Dad, why don't we get rid of it then, huh? But I'm not really sure. I am. Look at me now. <laughs> Pretty confident. Every time I heated up a hot pocket, something else was heating up. Yeah. Listen, it wasn't long until somebody in the neighborhood, a redneck, decided to rob us. We love guns. We grew up in Alabama. But they didn't take any of the guns. We didn't have any jewelry. We didn't have any diamonds. We didn't have any money shoved under our bed. But they came and they cleared off the microwave. Y'all ready for this? They only stole the microwave. Mom's like, can you believe somebody knocked in that door and took our microwave? Yes, thank you, Jesus. My hair is barely hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. I just am so glad that that microwave is gone. Why did they want that microwave? That's all they took. Because they're thieves. Kleptomaniacs. That's what Satan is. They don't have a reason. They just do what they want to do. And they take what they want to take. But here's the interesting thing. The question is, how can a believer who has Christ in his or her life have an incomplete life? How can Satan take from us something that makes us feel incomplete? How can he steal from us? Well, John 10.10 kind of explains that. I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. It is the abundant part of life that is being compromised by the theft of Satan. Listen, the word abundantly is in reference to complete, happy, satisfied, thriving, thrive life. Have you ever met somebody that's never happy or satisfied? Never. You go out to eat with them, they get a steak, and you're even paying for the steak. And they're like, this was supposed to be medium rare. Medium rare! Take it back. Like they're the king of, you know, whatever, of of Columbus. Fact is, you can't satisfy them. They're never happy. Something seems to be missing up here in so many ways. But really, in reality, something's missing here. They're dissatisfied. The reality is they don't have a thriving life, an abundant life. Somebody took something from them. And in most cases, as a Christian, it's because Satan ripped them off. Satan took what what belonged to you and was given to you by God. You're a manager of your life. You don't own it. God owns it. You're just to manage it. And if you don't manage well, Satan can slip in and take things away from you that you should have held on to and protected. Yeah, getting ripped off. Nobody likes to get ripped off. How many just love getting ripped off? You, you ever had your identity taken from you? <laughs> Sometimes you just don't want them to yell out, do you? I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I feel embarrassed, old buddy, because the fact is I told my wife, I said, I love Jumanji, and I saw online the Jumanji game. Not just any game. It's handcrafted, hand-carved, hand-painted I want it. It was expensive. She goes, I don't trust that website. 
How many have a wife that has more intelligence than you? Yeah, if you didn't raise your hand, you were lying. <clears throat> I said, I don't care. Come on. It has a cool video. It's credible. Let's get it. She goes, well, how are we going to pay for it? I said, sell the patio furniture. We don't sit out there anyway. Who cares? So we, she's like, I'll buy it, but it's going to take three weeks to get here. It's coming from overseas. I don't care if it takes 10 years. It will look beautiful in my office. It's Jumanji. It's beautiful. It's hand-carved. It's handcrafted. It's painted. I don't care where it was made. Just get it here. This is what I want, right? Yeah. Three weeks later, this was just a couple of weeks ago, actually. <clears throat> I was out with my wife and my, the little imps that live in my home. They're called children. They FaceTime me, and they're like, hey, Dad. They didn't call me to let me know they love me. They called me to, to flaunt something in my face. Dad, your game came in. That's how Ellie talks. Dad, your game came in. You want to say it? Yeah, I want to say it. You want to say it? I just said I want to say it. Look, Dad. It's Trivia Pursuit. You got ripped off. And it's the Korean edition. <laughs> the best part is, Dad, you got ripped off twice. It's actually shoots in ladders. <laughs> Korean edition. <laughs> Pack your bags, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. And you laugh too. You're all jerks. <clears throat> you say you're trying to raise money. I'm just speaking the truth in love. Here I am getting ripped off. You know what we get ripped off by Satan? It may not be a game, but sometimes we get ripped off and Satan moves in and steals that which doesn't belong to him, that God has given us. We lose our peace. How many of you have found yourself that Satan's stolen your peace away? You never, you never have peace. You're just like a boat on the ocean, up and down, up and down. Some of you have no joy. Your joy's been stolen away. You have no joy. You used to be happy. When you first got married, you were happy. Now you've been married 20 years, and now you just hate life. Miserable. Hey, teenagers, come on. Come on. You got so much going for you. I mean, come on. I know you're busy snapping all day, but please. Why you got to be? You don't have to be miserable. We can be happy. We don't, look like, we don't need to look like we've been sucking lemon juice through a PVC pipe and just barely holding on and surviving. But Satan comes along and he starts stealing things from us. Not only does he steal our peace, but sometimes he steals our sanity. We just feel like we're going crazy because the world's going crazy. So we look at the world and we think, man, this is crazy. And then you go home and you're like, this is crazy. My marriage is crazy. My life is crazy because some things have been stolen from you that don't belong to the thief. But he took them. And so it messed, it messed with your home mess with your marriage. Some of you lost your marriage or you're about to lose your marriage. Satan made a move. He's a thief and he wants to take from you opportunities. We throw opportunities away because Satan moves in and he causes things to be a, 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 available that you'd rather have in your life, like your drinking habit, your porn addiction. And Satan starts robbing you of opportunities and your purpose. Some of you feel like you got no purpose. You don't know what you're going to do with your life. You don't even know what you're doing today. You don't want to get up in the morning. You don't, want to, you, don't want to, you don't want to go to the grocery store. Nobody wants to go to the grocery store. I don't even know why I said that. The fact is, you just don't want to do anything. Y'all following me? Something was taken from you. Yeah. And now you're left with no identity. 
In order to have a thriving life, there has to be some things you have to take back. Some things Satan has stolen from you, and there are some things you have to reclaim because you got some emptiness. Because God intended for you to have an abundant life, a flourishing life. An abundant life means a thriving life. In order for us to understand how to take back the thrive life, we must go to the Old Testament because I think David's a perfect example of taking back the thrive life. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I know this is a long introduction, but I only have two points. Y'all are like, yes, but they're long points. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1, here's the story. The Amalekites have stolen some things from their their home. They moved in, and while David was out to battle and his men having victory after victory after victory, they come home to find in Zeglag that everything was burnt. The kids were gone, their wives were gone, their cattle was gone, the chickens were gone, they even took the dogs, everything's gone. And David is looking around in defeat. And so the Bible tells us, so David and his men in verse three came to the city and behold, it was all burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. And David and his men were so defeated and overwhelmed that they lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Here's the thing. The enemy has taken from David and his men the things that brought him happiness in life, gave him joy and made him feel like he was thriving, that God put in his life, his family, his friends, his kids, his wealth. When Satan steals, the aftermath is not a pretty thing. It's ugly. It's devastating fact of the matter is, if you look in verse 4, the Bible says they lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They were depressed. Man, that's what happens when Satan steals. You get depressed till you feel like you got nothing else to give. You know what's interesting about this passage of Scripture? If you compare it to John 10.10, John 10.10 says the thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. The Bible makes it very clear nobody was killed. There was theft and destruction, but where do we see the killing? Do you know the word is actually translated, the Greek word, into sacrifice? To kill in John 10.10 means to sacrifice. You say, how does that make any sense? In other words, the thief being Satan doesn't want to kill you. He just wants to make you wish you were dead. His goal is for to take everything from you and destroy everything in your life to take away the thriving life to the point that you wish you were dead. And no matter what's left, you just want to throw it on the altar, sacrifice it, and say, I give up. I'm so depressed, I don't even want to move on. And then that's when the thief says, the trinity is complete. Steal, kill, and destroy. You threw in the towel, you gave up, and you're defeated. That is what it means to be killed. And they wept until they had nothing else left. You ever been to that point where you feel like you got nothing else to give? You're just powerless. And then there was distressed. They were distressed, depressed, distressed. David was greatly distressed. The Bible says in verse 6, it seemed as if the people are diagnosing them every single day with anxiety. Anxiety is a real thing, right? You get medicine for it. There's people that have been diagnosed by a doctor. You have anxiety. Now I feel like everybody's diagnosed themselves with anxiety. It's like, I got anxiety. I got social anxiety. Let me just inform you. I'm not a doctor. But there's a good chance you're just living life. 
Because life can be very overwhelming and you can feel very anxious. Fact of the matter is, life can bring distress because of circumstances that are missing in your life that once made you feel complete. Then they were divided in verse 6. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. David's like, why do you want to stone me? My wife, not just my wife. I have two wives, which is not right. I have two wives. They took both of them and all my kids. And you want to stone me like it's my fault? Are you crazy? They were divided. The number of things that divide people, the things, the main thing that divides people's problems. Problems in your marriage, problems with your kids, problems in your church. Division starts to take place. Now, here's the good news. I told you it's a really short message. The good news comes verse 7 through 20. More verse 19. As David reclaims what the enemy has taken. So in order for us to take back the thrive life, we've got to look at how he did it, okay? You see what's left. You see the destruction there. You see how Satan, if you would, used these people to steal, kill, and destroy. But David shifts gears in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, the very end. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his what? His God. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? That is so weird to me. I'm like, how do you do that? It's like playing chess or checkers with yourself. Like, it doesn't seem to work. I'm going to encourage myself. I think before we answer that question, we have to answer the question, why? Why did he have to encourage himself? Where was everybody else? You know, because nobody else would do it. That's why. Nobody else was worried about his problems. They were all worried about their own problems. Nobody was willing to bear one another's burdens. They were bearing their own burdens and saying, I got time for your burdens. They're the ones that always shoot out the prayer request but never pray for anybody. They're the ones that always give their problems, need counsel, but they're never helping anybody and lending an ear to help somebody that's in need to speak from their heart. Yeah, we do that. Hebrews 10, 24 says it this way, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Man, it's our responsibility to do this. And you know, another reason why he had to encourage himself is because everybody else was playing the blame game. It's your fault, it's your fault, but mainly David's fault, right? You know what I'm talking about. They said, it's your fault, David. We're going to stone you. And he's like, no, no, we're in this together. I lost my kids. I lost my wife. I lost my cattle. I lost my dog. What do you mean it's my fault? You know, when we get in distress, have a problem, we always want to play the blame game before we get to the root of the problem and fix the problem. It's my wife's fault that I have a porn problem. It's my wife's fault. It's my, my kid's fault that I'm always angry. If they just listen to me and do what I say, Well, if you weren't such a jerk, they probably would. Come on now, you know it's true. Provoke not your kids to wrath. What causes somebody to provoke their kids to wrath? A really bad parent. Yeah, it's easy to blame everybody else. Well, it's the youth pastor's fault my kids are in rebellion. Bryce Copeland should have stepped up to the plate, taught the kids the right thing to do. No, it's not his job to raise your kids. It's your job to raise your kids. We assist you as pastors. We are not going to take your place. Stop using us as a crotch because your kids are rebels. You know it's true. So here we are. In order to take back the Thrive Life that God meant for you and me to have, some things have to change. And you have to start by encouraging yourself. And sometimes we have to do that because nobody else is around to do it with you. Nobody's out there to assist you, to help you. Have you ever said the words, there's no point, I'm by myself, I'm going to have to deal with it by myself. Nobody else cares. Nobody else understands. Nobody's there. How many know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, only seven of you been, been there, really? The fact is we've all been there. The good news is there's somebody that does understand. As believers, there's somebody there that'll never leave you or forsake you. John 14, 26 calls him the comforter. He's the Holy Spirit that indwells within you. He's the one that just gives you the thumbs up, it's okay, press on. You say, well, I don't understand what you're saying. You will in just a minute. Because David encouraged himself in the Lord, he was able to make a decision to take back that which was taken from him. The question still remains, how did he encourage himself in the Lord? Let's get to it, Dave, come on. The word encourage means to strengthen. It's translate strengthened. Hmm. In other words, he had to build up his strength to move on. You ever felt so defeated as a Christian, you just couldn't move on? You ever felt so defeated as an individual, you just felt like you needed something to give you a burst of energy? I already had three shots of espresso this morning. I'll probably have five more shots by this afternoon. I am just amped up on coffee. I love it. (laughs) But David didn't take Jack Daniels to relieve him. He didn't encourage himself with marijuana. Oh, it's not against law and God made it. There's a lot of things God makes that I don't go taking. I don't go through the, through the fields and pick up mushrooms. I don't know. I don't pick up mushrooms anyway, but I'm not going to be snacking on every berry that I see in the middle of the woods. Come on now. There's a lot of things in life. I like salad, but I'm not going to munch on the grass in my front yard. Quit using Jesus or God as a crutch to live in sin. How weak and pathetic are you? Really? That's not where David was. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and he had to strengthen himself with the Lord. And this is how he did it. He was there in this situation, and before he could take back the thriving life that he once had, he had to stop and focus on the one he had in a relationship with, and that was the Lord. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. The key word there is Lord. If you do not have a relationship with God, this is going to be very hard for you to understand because he remembered where God brought him from. That's the first step of encouraging yourself in the Lord, remembering where God had brought you from. He used to be a shepherd in the fields, a nobody. And then God anointed him as a king. He killed a lion with his bare hands. He killed a bear when nobody else was around with a 30-06. He did this because he stopped and remembered that God was guiding and protecting me He ran from Saul and could have defeated the king, but he never even raised his finger, but he defeated him with integrity. That is the God he served and serves that is intervening for him. And he says, I remember every step you took with me, every victory you gave me. I remember when Goliath fell to the ground face first. Yeah. Because if you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, you have to remember where God brought you from. Do you remember where you were before you became a believer? You've been saved for 20 years, 15 years, you tend to forget. Just like the children of Israel. They get victory after victory after victory and they're like, I just don't like this. I'm so hungry. And then God says, all right, I'll give you manna from heaven. Well, I don't like my shoes, even though they don't wear out when they were wandering in the wilderness. I'm thirsty. I'll give you water from a rock. I'll do miracles that'll blow your mind, but yet they still forgot. 
You can only encourage yourself in the Lord if you have a relationship with him and you remember where God brought you from. Yeah, we have a story to tell. If you're a believer, you all have a story to tell. A story where God brought you from and what God did in your life through the course of your Christianity. And if you don't focus on that, sometimes you won't be able to take the next step to get that which was taken from you. He remembered who God called him to be. He was the anointed king of Israel. A man after God's own heart. He was part of the lineage of Jesus. Man, this ain't the average guy. You are the redeemed, if you're a believer. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator God. You have a purpose. You're a part of the family. You're a son and daughter of the king. He remembered who God called him to be. If you don't remember you're a branch of the vine and the called out, then you're going to miss out on the opportunity to take back that which belongs to you from the thief. The only way you can encourage yourself in the Lord is by remembering where God brought you from, remember who God called you to be, and to remember what God promised for you. He promised David the kingdom, and David was going to get it. He promised David victory and had it over and over again. And God does the same for you. He has promised you the hope of heaven, but so much more here on earth. But we are too busy living in a life of just barely surviving because we don't want to go after what was taken from us. You have to get to the point, if you're going to take back what belongs to you, to remember where God brought you from, remember who God called you to be, and remember what God has promised for you. You can't take back what's rightfully yours if you don't get the right frame of mind. That this might be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Get your mind right. Philippians tells us to think think on things that are pure and wholesome and, and just and lovely. Stop being depressed. Stop watching CNN. Stop watching Fox News. Stop worrying about the government. It's just going to get worse. I can already tell you what's going to happen. It's just going to get worse. So move on with what you're called to do. It's like shining a light in the darkness. The darkness is so overwhelming. You feel like, I just can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. But shine the light because the light is showing you the way. And the light's the only thing you got. So no matter how hard it gets, no matter how overwhelming it is, no matter how much you want to give up, encourage yourself in the Lord. And if you have the relationship with the Lord, you know what he's already done for you. He's already know, you already know what he's called you to do. And you already know what he's promised to do. So shine, shine, shine the light and keep on moving on. Don't give up on God when it looks like everybody else has given up on you. So encourage yourself before you make war with the enemy. But David said in verse 8, something profound took place. David inquired of God. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after the troop? Shall, shall I overtake them? And he answered, being God, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And I love this part. And without fail, recover, what's the word? All. Everything. You're going to get it all back. We already know that we got victory just as David knew. We just need the thumbs up from God to know when to move. If you want to take back the thrive life, the abundant life that God meant for you to have, then you better start with God. David inquired of God. I know that sounds cliche, and you've probably heard it all your life as a believer, but it's true. You go to God with your problems before you go to anybody else. 
You know what I'm talking about when you find yourself talking and venting to people about your problems, and in the back of your mind, you know not one time did you pray and fast about it. Hey, you're going to find somebody to talk to about it. I was in Millersburg when my wife was shopping, and I found this guy, and we just started talking. That sounded weird. I found this guy. No, he was shopping too, and we just started talking. So I got in this big conversation. I'm venting him. He's venting me. I'm talking about my problems. He's talking about his problems. I'm talking about my kids. He's talking about his kids. We're just talking, right? Hour later, we get done. I'm leaving. Priest said, that was weird. Why? Just talking. Well, he's an Amish guy. I'm like, yeah, it's true. It was a little weird. But he, he has no car. He has just a buggy. He has a, he has a horse. He has no electricity, no indoor plumbing. <clears throat> His kid's name is Jedediah. My kid's name is Christian. We had nothing in common. I just found somebody I could vent to, right? And the things I was talking to him about, I never talked to God about. We're always looking for somebody to vent to. And it wouldn't matter who it is. We just want to get it off our chest. Half the time we do counseling here, it's just because they want to get something off their chest. I just want to talk. Mad. Well, should we call the other one in? No. I can't properly vent with them here. I'm that way too. Man, the best person to vent to and talk to is go to God first. Yeah. Because he's going to give you the best direction. You ever had GPS that sent you the wrong way? Apple GPS is the worst. Sorry, Richard, it's just the truth. Apple GPS is the worst. Turn here. Please make a U-turn. Well, you turn. You told me to turn here. Why would I make a U-turn? Turn, to make another U-turn. I'm Apple. Recalculating. Recalculating. You say recalculating one more time. This $1,300 smartphone is going out the window. I have never had God recalculate with me. Every time I have peace with God and he gives me thumbs up by that still small voice called the comforter, the Holy Spirit that you have indwelling in you, I know I can just move on, move on, move on because he's telling me where to go. It ain't going to be at a road stop or cops shutting down the street because of construction. I know I'm on the right path because I got the direction I inquired of God. Are you all with me? Come on. Now, God gives us the green light just like he gave David the green light. He said, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and with all, without fail, excuse me, without fail, recover all, everything. So before you come to the pastor, go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. David went to the priest, right? He asked of the priest, the Bible tells us in verse 7 that he sought for the priest. He asked the priest to come. And he said, hey, I got to pray. He said, grab that ephod. Ephod was a garment that the priest would wear to approach God. This is the Old Testament, remember. And before he could approach God, he had to put on the ephod. And David said, take it off and give it to me. That's odd. You know why? Because this is a time I need to talk to God. This is odd to see. But David said, I have a relationship with him that you don't know about. I had a word from God one time that he told me how many stones to pick up and what to do with the stone and how to take down a giant. And I was just a kid. Take the ephod off and let me talk with God. You know what you need to realize? This ain't the Old Testament. You have the royal priesthood of the believer. You have the ability to go right to the throne of God himself through Jesus Christ. You have the ephod in your life and you don't have to have somebody interceding for you. 
There ain't no priest needed. You don't need your pastor. So you need to make it a point in your life that you get along with God. And just like David inquired of God, you need to inquire with God. One of the guys on our launch team sent me a picture of his closet. And he has it all set up for prayer and Bible study. He said, I'm ready. I can't remember the exact wording, but basically to go to war and get serious. Some of us don't know what it means to get serious to go to war. But it requires you to realize you've got to seek God first. Let's close this up, okay? David inquired of God because he had a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? Because if you want to take back what belongs to you, if you want to take back the Thrive Life, you have to inquire of God, but you have to do it in such a way that he's going to want to listen. Because you say, well, you said he'll never leave me or forsake you. No, he won't, but you better make sure you don't have sin between you and him because you have a relationship. And that relationship, just like any relationship, can be quenched. It can be hindered. The Holy Spirit speaks of being quenched. Don't quench the Lord. So here's what David does. David was ready to take back what the enemy had stolen, and he did. And as we look... At the word of God in verse 16, we see how he did it. So, verse 16 tells us that he went to the location where they were at. But this is the interesting thing. He didn't know in the beginning where they were at. This is weird. He said he got thumbs up from God. He goes to the guys that want to stone him. And he said, hey guys, we're going to get back our kids. We're going to go get back our wives. We're going to go back get uh, get everything that was taken from us. Actually, we're going to get it all back. We might take a few of their things too. And the fact of the matter is, he did. But he made the journey like Abraham and didn't have a clue where to go. But through an intervention, God lined everything up. This is called faith without works is dead. You say, I have faith, but you ain't working. You say, well, I'm just waiting for the right moment to get a job. Well, you better put your feet to the fire and start looking for a job. Last time I checked, everybody's hiring. Well, I'm just late. I'm waiting for the right moment to get counsel. I'm waiting for the right moment, the right moment, the right moment. The right moment's right now. Pursue, pursue, pursue. Just go get it. You say, well, I just don't have, I don't know. I don't have clarity. Sometimes you have to have faith. So God bring the clarity. Y'all follow me? And boy, David stepped out by faith and God lined it all up. And before he knew it, he found the exact location of the people that took from him. Verse 16. Behold, they were spread abroad upon the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judea. Man, they were having a party with that that didn't belong to them. Satan loves to use your kids. He loves to use your marriage. Just give it to him. Some of us, we're not even having it stolen from us. We're just giving it to him. And in the end, he's using it for evil, what God meant for good. How many of you know Randy Stewart? Raise your hand. Yeah, Randy works here. He's been here forever, forever, since he was in diapers. Well, Randy had his truck back here just a couple of weeks ago. He ran into the church. He didn't leave his keys in the ignition, but he left it in the console. And he just wanted to run in, grab some trash, throw it in the back of the truck, and go to the dumpster. He comes back out. Truck's gone. Stolen, right? And the guys that stole it only lived seven minutes down the road. A couple of teenagers that cut their ankle bracelets off, threw it in the back of Randy's truck. And look what they did. This is what they did. They, they wrecked the truck by driving too fast. They got all kinds of other people's things, stole all kinds of stuff. Gaming systems, 
phones, wallets. He said it looked like a credit card a bomb went off. It was everywhere. Yeah. They were having a good time with something that didn't belong to them. You know what Satan's doing right now? If he's taking something from you, he's having a good time with it. He's loving the fact that you feel defeated. He's loving the fact that you just want to say, I give up. My kids are brats and I don't want to deal with it anymore. He loves it when you say, I don't want to get counsel. I don't want to seek help. I don't want anything from God. I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And what I think is I need to walk away from this. Oh, I don't ever give. None. Tithe, missions. I don't even like to show up for missions. Shame on you. Yeah. Because Satan wants to use what you have for his own benefit. He's going to party with it. I'll tell you, Randy got his truck back. Obviously, we have pictures of what they did. He He recovered it. He took back what Satan threw some people used to steal out of his life. I'm going to tell you, if you you don't get this, you'll never get your family back. Your family was not meant to be used by Satan. Stop letting Satan steal from your kid's virginity. Stop letting Satan steal from your kid's purity. Stop letting Satan take from your wife and from your husband. Stop letting Satan take that away. Yeah. We as a staff, we have covenant eyes. That means somebody's always watching us. Whatever I Google search on my phone, my tablet, my iPad, my computer. My wife is my accountability partner. Yeah. She knows what's going on. You know why? Because she loves me. You say, Dave, would you ever do something wrong? Yep. Because I'm just as human as you are. But I know this. I don't want him taken from me what belongs to my wife. I want to make sure I'm protected. He said, well, I want to take back my home. Then you need to put some things in your home that'll protect your home. Because some people get a gun to protect them from the thief. And some people get an alarm system. Some people get cameras. But when it comes to the spiritual life, we tend to do nothing. We're just like, well, just trust God, trust God, trust God. Faith without works is dead. You better trust God and motivate yourself to get up and do something. Are you all with me? We're going to stop right there because this is the way it ends. In verse 17, and David smote them from twilight, evening, all the way until the next day. Man, he was already exhausted. For a matter of fact, there was hundreds of men that stayed behind because they were too exhausted to move forward. But David was determined. And the end of that verse, the Bible says he recovered all. Everything in verse 18, everything, he recovered it all. (laughs) You can get back what was taken from you. You can recover it all. You can take it all back. But the first step you have to take, the first thing you have to do is learn to encourage yourself with the Lord. Get a relationship with Him. Develop that relationship with Him. And when you have that relationship with him, you'll be able to talk with him. David inquired of God. You can inquire of God and pray and talk with God before anybody else. 